1: Hey Is welcome to a brand new Geekscape podcast. I'm your host Jonathan London and if this is your first Geekscape, well, I like to sit down with filmmakers, maybe they're actors, maybe they're comic book creators, maybe they're video game uh, writers, whatever it is, I like to sit down with storytellers, that's, a, that's what we celebrate here at Geekscape, mainly pop culture storytellers. Uh, we've got Comic Con coming this summer, are you ready to see us at the Geekscape booth? I think this will be our 12th, 13th year in San Diego at the, the booth and uh, I'm not ready for it, but uh, the whole Geekscape team is gonna be there. We're excited to see you. If you happen to be at San Diego Comic-Con this summer, drop by, we've got a ton of horror content coming on Geekscape. So definitely share this with your friends, tell them to subscribe. You may be downloading, if is if not your, I mean, if you're a Geekscape regular, you don't need this whole spiel, but if this is your first Geekscape, you may have clicked on this because we're gonna be talking all Robert England on this episode. Um, I can't wait to do it. My buddies Gary and Chris are, they're two documentarians who made a documentary about Robert. We'll tell you how, where you can watch it. We can tell you all about Robert. Robert's been on the show before, as you remember. And then as I'm watching this documentary, i am it's like a hit list of some past Geekscape guests. Um, and we'll talk about that as well. So we're going to be talking a lot of Robert England. Uh, but as I said earlier, there's lots of horror coming to Geekscape. Uh, so if this is your first Geekscape, Uh, We've got a couple of horror creators that I've either pre-recorded or will be having as guests on the show very soon. Um, So you're going to want to subscribe and all that. Uh, All right, let's get this thing going. Geekscape, let's get right to it. Uh, We're talking today about a brand new documentary that's coming out called Hollywood Dreams and Nightmares The Robert England Story. Uh, Whether or not you're familiar with Robert England, Freddy Krueger is most famously known for, uh, or not, uh, there's a lot in this documentary that I didn't know. Uh, And as I said, there's past Geekscape guests like Kenny Johnson and Fred Reddick, uh, or Jeffrey Reddick, my bad. I was about to say um, Tim Sullivan, and I'm just meshing all. uh, There's too many Geekscape guests. In this documentary, uh, I think I'm just doing this show way too long, and I've just compiled some really great interviews that are on the feed if you want to go explore it. But you're going to want to listen to this one right now because this documentary is available on Screenbox and Digital on June 6, 2023, at least here in the States. Who knows? Maybe you discovered this in 2024 or 2025. Um, but let's get to it. Let's talk some Robert England, one of my favorite subjects, because Freddie was my guy. Maybe you're listening to this being like, oh, I'm Michael Myers. I'm Jason, I'm more into that, but Freddie was my guy. Maybe you're super young and you're like, I like Jigsaw, (laughs) I'm a Chucky man, I don't know. But uh, Freddie was always my guy, that was the one I wanted to be for Halloween for like seven years straight, but let's talk Freddie. These guys know him even better. Uh, Gary and Chris, the documentarians behind Hollywood Dreams and Nightmares, Robert England's story, how are you guys?
2: Yeah, great, thank you, Yeah, doing really well.
1: Oh, you're doing British, I think. Yeah, we're very, you very, pretty. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. very pretty.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you strike up the mic, it's like, hey. oh, these dudes are, are British. Um, how did y'all get to doing this document? You have the nerdiest room, Gary. If you're watching this on video <laughs> over on our YouTube channel, Gary is surrounded by all sorts of pop culture yeah. icons from Darth Vader to Leatherface, um, to, to Freddy it? Mass in the yeah. background. Um, Chris is married.
2: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm Gary, I'm kidding. Oh, yeah, my, my wife's somewhere there, embalmed. So don't worry about her. Oh. oh,
0: that is her there, isn't it? That's that not Leatherface. Yeah. There, yeah. <laughs> I'm, sorry. I'm sorry. Sorry there. to tell you this, Gary, as well, but we've been having an affair.
1: <laughs> Chris, <laughs> Chris is holding up a Leatherface mask as well for those of y'all who are listening to this on the podcast feed. Um, so I'm guessing y'all grew up not unlike myself, like wanting to be Freddy every Halloween he was your dude and you love the halloween movies you love the friday 13th movies those are great comic book that era of 80s comic book like almost super villain mm-hmm. uh you know horror icons but i am going to throw a pinhead in there as well um and leatherface of course your friends um <laughs> but what was it about robert england this is not your only documentary you've done you know
2: exploring yeah. these the the horror genre but what was it about Robert England specifically. I think you just said it straight away. Robert was kind of my boy as well. I imagine was Chris's. I've always been a, a Freddy Krueger fan. I mean, I, I was allowed to watch horror films. Hence why I've got all this crap in my office here now. Yeah, From the age of about four or five. That's your bedroom. It's oh, not,
0: not my bedroom. Is that your,
2: that's your red room. I got it yeah, now. That's, this is my uh, victim's room um oh, yeah. yeah so yeah i was i was watching Nightmare on the street as, as a very young age you know i was allowed to watch it at like five and six so i'd post as a freddie crew on my bedroom wall so robert has always been there you know and and obviously freddie crew has always been there so yeah he's definitely a, a huge part of my childhood really and my kind of horror kind of tastes same view chris is more of a Chris Jason. is afraid
1: to say something because we'll say some smart ass <laughs>
2: remarks. he yeah. will say something about <laughs> Jason.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Jason or Leatherface why once. But then, we're, like you said, we're all from that era, aren't we? So we all sort of sell. And to be honest, I think when you said earlier about, you know, when you were tearing us up about, you know, you got jigsawing out these days. But I personally don't feel those kind of characters in these, you know, more modern contemporary films kind of reach the pop culture heights of. The former, you know, the 1980s, because I think I think it's because of ultimately where the genres went as well, the franchises went because they came more cartoony, comic booky, and started to sort of absorb a bit more comedy. I think that's where they kind of infiltrated like the children's market, and that's why they were more accessible. Whereas, given that Saw falls under the whole torture porn, uh yeah. of films, it doesn't quite sort of translate as well. It's like, oh yeah, kids' toys of you know decapitate. Well, everyone gets decapitated. <laughs> but, I mean, I, I mean, we kind of discussed, you know, the thing with Robert in particular, Robert Englund was probably the first actor I knew of the horror genre. And that's because he translates through the character. They're one in the same, him and Freddie, whereas obviously with the Jasons, you gotta go, Oh, it's Kane Hodder. It's, uh, and all the other names. So I think that's like why he is the poster boy of the genre.
1: And what I love about it too, in the documentary, and I don't want to spoil the whole documentary folks, you're going to want to check it out for yourself on June 6th at Screenbox and digital. Then uh, I, I, Geekscapist, if you're listening to this, my audio got better. I had the wrong input on, on my mic, and I think the audio got better. If not, I still sound like a, a, a jerk. The content from my voice won't get better, but the, I hope the, the quality did. <laughs> um, sorry about that, Geekscapist. Um, the the idea that he was cast in new... Wes Craven knew he was going to have about an inch of makeup on his face. The you know, it, it's I don't think he was cast because he was real thin. You know, because I've met Robert, he's not necessarily rail thin. He's not Doug Jones, for instance. Um, But he, uh, but casting him for the reasons that the makeup looked great on him, and that they didn't go for for Kane Hodder, who was kind of circling in the same sort of community. uh, It changes everything because when you think of Freddie, he's lithe and he's creepy and he's slender man like in this. And like you said it, Chris, like chameleon, he becomes a chameleon in a lot of these roles. I mean, he becomes heroin needles or he becomes super Freddy, or he becomes a skateboard or he becomes a video game or he becomes all these different things. And I do attribute a lot of that stuff to the the comedy. I think that's why Pennywise, maybe, you know, with the clown makeup and everything, I think, I think kids are into the Pennywise stuff and it's not dissimilar. I think the success of stranger things is the creativity of, the the end that some of the characters meet. Um, but there's something distinctly about Robert as acting. What I like about this documentary, Geekscape, is is how much time it spends early on on Robert growing up, and then ro- the stories I didn't know about Robert the actor in Hollywood. Hmm. People like William Catt, the greatest American hero, it was awesome. Uh, a mention of Richard Dreyfus, uh, the Star Wars story. Yeah. Crazy. If you want to yeah. share that one, that was one that my brother had heard, another horror file. But I myself was like, hey, man, did you hear the story about Mark Hamill and how he found out about the Luke Skywalker audition?
2: Well, yeah. Like, what's don't, the story of that one? Well, don't ask Mark Hamill because uh, <laughs> we, we had read it years ago. I think it was going around. I think it's even probably in Robert's biography, his book. I think talks about that story. And I remember about two or three years ago, uh, Mark Hamill did a tweet debunking Robert's story. Uh, and basically no he got the part because of his manager but Robert is adamant he, that story you know he's truthful so much so that we have we 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 found a photograph of Mark and Robert together. You know, they were kind of like friends, you know, they were in the same circles. Uh, so it's kind of a strange one. He, he's so kind of like clear in his story, Robert, about what happened and you know and the st- leading up to it. So the story basically is obviously that um uh, Robert auditioned for Han Solo, all seen for Han Solo whilst auditioning for Apocalypse Now. And then when he, he stole some of his script pages and took them home, and then at the time, Mark was um, allegedly going around to Robert's house quite a lot and obviously sharing a few beers with him. And he gave uh, Mark Hamill the, the sides for Luke Skywalker and, and obviously Mark read them and then contacted his agent. And that was a nice little Hollywood story, really. And he tells you about what, where we were in the 70s as well. You know, everybody was trying to get the same roles and everyone was connected and everyone was chilling and hanging out together. It's a great story. And again, we tried to get hold of Mark Hamill and we were pretty told no. We had a a response from Mark Hamill, people going, Mark did not share an apartment with Robert England. We didn't say that. We said that he was his apartment quite a lot. Uh, I think it was pretty clear they didn't want to pursue that story. Hmm. we We put it in because I'm a massive Star Wars fan, hence Darth Vader standing behind me. And secondly, you know it's a great Hollywood story, and, and it's Robert's story, so I like it. <laughs> it
1: it's not unbelievable, you know. Well, William Cat had gone in supposedly and read for Mark for, for for Luke Skywalker as well, yeah. and he's friends with Robert. Like Robert went and auditioned for Apocalypse Now. That is all Zoetrope yeah. stuff. That is where those auditions were held. It's it's not an unbelievable story at all that Robert's in Zoetrope seeing if he can just get a read for that. We had an earlier story from about six months ago about Harrison Ford and his story of being the carpenter at Zoe Troll. Yeah, yeah. He got hired, yeah. and he, wouldn't, he couldn't get a read for, for Lucas. And Lucas is like, hey, man, I just put you in American Graffiti. Like, I don't think there's a role for this. I'm going to look at other actors. And Harrison's upset about it. And then he got placed as a – he took the carpenter job okay. as, a, as a favor to a, the a producer who knew like hey at least you're going to be in the building and it, yeah. it's believable that a lot of these actors young actors that were in that generation uh hanging out with with, with all these directors that were in that, that post usc generation um that they all read for it right endless summer that has so many of those actors in it you know uh all those directors were all in the same mix I'm gonna side and Mark, love you, man. <laughs> love you, man. I end up seeing him at conventions, and he's gonna be like, mm. uh, <laughs> "Mark, Mark doesn't know me from a shoe." But <laughs> I don't, you know. Yeah, go back to the story from the last LA Comic Con. I, I haven't shared it with you guys, but I think I've shared it on Geekscape, where I showed up early to go through my sides to moderate main stage panels and. William Shatner walks in by himself, and of all the empty ta- t- tables in the green room, he decides to sit at mine and just chill and drink his coffee, and I gave him his privacy and this and that. But I don't want Mark Hamill coming in and doing the same thing and being like, hey, you're the dude who backed up Roberts.
2: We <laughs> <on> <laughs> the <that> <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: Sorry about that. There's a siren going by, which means that That's Matt my- Kelly I- – Mark, how Matt, was that? Yeah, Mark.
2: He's
0: the guy. Mark. <laughs> <Campbell>. <laughs> Usually on the
1: GeekScape Network, we say that that's that's because we just added another show here because Matt Kelly is just adding shows like Wildfire. I look up and there's a Pop Tart review show on the podcast network, and I'm like, all right, well, fine, we'll go with it. Uh, and then it'll be the big, the biggest show on the network. Is how the, those things go. Um, that story was amazing. Um And then just his trials and tribulations as an actor was really amazing, in how it wasn't too, too like long after what I thought is one of my favorite roles of his. um V.
0: Yeah, and that was the, and that was the first biggie for him. That think- was
1: when the made him an international star was Kenny Johnson's V. I
0: think what you're saying actually as well, and you John is like. What I, I love about, especially when you do these, you know, when you watch anything documentaries or read books on people from a certain era, it's so interesting to see all the years prior to them hitting it big. You know, you've got about a twelve twelve years worth of a screen career up until V, and then fourteen respectively for uh, Elm Street. And we're in a day and age now. I'm going to keep using this anecdote again, <laughs> again, but a bit sure. like what you are saying with Pop Tarts, where in this day and age now, you fart in a microphone on TikTok and you're a celebrity back then there was just that sense of like you had to build to get to that moment i'm not saying there wasn't any of you know overnight successes back then but that's what's just really interesting and it's it just barely reflects where he ended up going or what he became you know he's in all these like kind of 70s gritty you know thrillers like the hustle or dramas like stay hungry buster and billy um quite pre- you know um he's quite uh, relevant in uh, big Wednesday. Mm-hmm. And big kind of-
1: Wednesday. I, I, I said endless weekend. It's I, big Wednesday. I thought you yeah. said it. Yeah. Yeah, my bad. My bad on that one. <laughs> Game is like, what are you talking yeah. about? Yeah.
0: <laughs> it's Australian. isn't it? endless yeah. summer.
1: Yeah. 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 Endless yeah. summer. Yeah. yeah. Big Wednesday. Yeah.
0: yeah. That's why I just, I, I really enjoy it. And I think for us in particular with this project, we've always been quite restricted to one film. You know, and you've got to focus on that film, Pennywise 8990, Robocop 87. Um, So it's a lot broader project and challenge for us to do this. And the one thing I was so excited about doing was like, we're going to do some 70s stuff. And that was a bit of a challenge, but I really enjoyed the idea of like, you know, especially working with the music, which I I think we did all right with in the end, to be honest, especially thanks to um, Sean's original score. But but it's like experimenting with genres. So you go from like, you know, lighthearted country bumpkin dramas to dark thrillers with burt reynolds and his toupee and then that story is nuts and geeky i'm
1: not going to spoil the toupee story here but that burt reynolds story is nuts and (laughs) i mean burt was as nice as he could have been about that toupee incident but that's that story is crazy and i love that story Geekscape is you got to check out the, the movie to hear yeah, that one just for that story <laughs> stories there's a, there's a lot of stories like that yeah, and is, uh, yeah. again other people like who've been on geekscape adam green and, and tony todd like like they have such amazing stories mm-hmm. in this documentary what i love is go to what you said chris about that era of the 70s and you're right we only see celebrity culture we only see success but when Lance Hendrickson is telling you the state of the apartments that they're living in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they're not even their apartments. Like they're 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 living on couches in yeah. New York or in, in Hollywood. Uh, that's a great story. The Lance Hendrickson stuff. I read his book, Not Bad for a Human. Have you read that biography?
0: Yeah. I haven't, and I would love to. Yeah.
1: That is a fantastic biography. Geekscape is if you're a Lance Hendrickson fan, and of course probably you're listening to Geekscape, you're a Lance Hendrickson fan. His Biography that he wrote himself. There's no ghost writing on this thing. He's telling you a lot of stories that I'm like, oh, that's that's pretty candid, like to yeah, share. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, Lance younger self with the ladies and this and that. But it's a fantastically <laughs> written, uh, it, it's a fantastically written autobiography, and a lot of the stories are here as well. Loved it. One and, and y'all kind of go sequentially through his filmography. What's the decision there?
2: I think you know at the end of the day when you're doing a documentary about robert you've got to hit those kind of like popular films really i mean freddie's obviously very important and that was from the get-go that freddie krueger was important evidently why the documentary has been made that career has been developed around freddie however there are some kind of key roles really what robert's fans uh obviously are aware of and also it's kind of films that you want to share with people who don't know about those movies so Everyone knows that Robert was in, you know, Wishmaster and Urban Legend, 2001 Maniac. But as Chris said, there's things like Buster and Billy, Stay Hungry, you know, Dead and Buried. You know, there's a list and list of films. So I think when you're going through his career, I mean, we could have covered everything. We could have covered every TV show. But we're trying to cover the, the most important ones in his But also from a kind of very uh, filmmaking point of view, it's, it's, it's covering the ones where you can get people to talk about it as well. You know, mm-hmm. we do try, obviously, every single kind of like person that's worked with Robert. Unfortunately, because Robert's been in the business for over 50 years, there are people who uh, unfortunately passed away, especially directors when he was a younger guy. They were older and some of the actors he worked with. However, you know, everybody that we interviewed has a connection to Robert in a film. You know, is isn't just putting faces on there for point of it. It's basically everyone's been working with him. So he's trying to find people who work with him on key parts and also who can add gold. I mean, we all love Robert, but a two-hour, a two-hour documentary just Robert talking to the screen, you know, it will be, will be interesting. It's yeah, it's it was not And yeah. it will be oh, hiring it's we'll be kind as well. You know, from a creative he loves audience, to talk. He's a great... He a story,
1: we yeah. love... But you love hearing those stories. Well, we've, got a,
2: we've got a bonus feature called Chatterbox, and it's about Robert England talking a lot. And <laughs> it's everybody else talking about Robert England talking. One of our bonus features. Um, but, yeah, so it's, I think it's really important, wasn't it, Chris, to get kind of some of them key roles in. And also... Robert himself has suggested certain films he wanted covering. what well, he's very you know, he's very proud of his work, Robert. E. So he was very keen, obviously Buster and Billy, of course, but his first movie. It was kind, it was kind of the movie. mandate
0: of this whole thing as well. Yeah. Because it's great, he's, Buster he's, and Billy was great.
2: Yeah. yeah, he
0: said he said to Gary in the first instance, um, and that's you know, it really represents his character as well, you know, how open he is and how nice he is and accepting to do things. He's like, you know, if you want to do a documentary on Freddie, why you'd want to, I don't know, because our mate Mikey had done uh, Never Sleep Again documentary. <laughs> so Norman Elm Street are done. There's just no yeah, point. We,
1: the Never Sleep Again documentary is like four hours long, is it not? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so yeah. the
0: case is closed on that. But he, he's the fact he was still open, you know, he said, if you're doing something on Freddy, I'll still talk. What his uh, option was, if you want to do my career, and if you want to dig into everything else beyond Freddy, you get everything. You get all of me. You get, you know, as many. Well, we only planned on having one interview with him. We ended up doing four, which was great for us. Um, because when
1: uh, so other I, people tell stories you want to go and follow up yeah hmm. exactly that yeah. yeah Mark Hamill called bullshit is this true I'm kidding <laughs>
0: <laughs> let's just yeah. retweet that one again yeah. I did actually try doing that on the Hamill one as well I remember going out of my way a bit I think when you I'm were sure trying you to, to look for, yeah yeah I yeah, think I like know. a little um, thing you've like cut out of Freddy you know on the Death Star or whatever with Luke and the Stormtrooper outfit and not a sausage but, like, they weren't going to touch that one <laughs> Yeah, probably have Disney chasing me now for that. I actually
1: don't. uh, The truth is, I don't see what the big deal is to that because everything turned out fantastic in both actors. Everybody's incredibly respected. If there was an interpersonal falling out,
2: that I understand,
1: right? If they if they were friends and they are hanging out and they they get beers and pizzas on us on that's that's their Saturday nights and um, that's that I understand that. Like, we're just not friends anymore, and that happens in Hollywood.
2: Does you? I think Robert, I think I remember Mark's tweet was much more about his manager giving credit to his manager. And I think maybe he felt that Robert's story took away from that, you know, his manager at the time, which I get that. And I'm not sure if it's probably the same manager and he's loyal. But at the end of the day, it's a story. It's a Hollywood story. It's interesting. We all all remember the past differently. We all remember situations, you know, I help you, you help me. Uh, I think you're right. I mean, it doesn't matter at the end of the day. It's interesting. Robert tells it, Robert believes it, and Robert, you know, and other people. Talk about it. I mean, Adam Green talks about it because he's heard that story before. Um, and you know, what I don't think Robert would have been a great hand solo, probably. Uh, but again, you never know because we'd never have had Harrison, would we? So you're never gonna know, are you? Then, really, it's the same as he came played Freddy, you know, we'd never have had Robert, so we'd nothing to compare him to, you know. Harrison
0: so, Ford is Freddy Krueger, yeah. Time, <laughs> time, <bitch. laughs> yeah.
1: The, the Keen Hunter as Freddy thing was awesome. Yeah, that was cool. one I hadn't heard either and I'm not the biggest horror file. Yeah but like Robert, yeah, that Robert, story is probably a pretty well-known story and I'd never heard it.
2: Well, Robert hadn't heard it you know Robert was quite obviously um, and also Robert was really kind of like touched by the whole section about the Freddy versus Jason I think because he was very kind of open about it. Um, he actually quite got a bit emotional um, Kane did okay. but I think, I think when you look back even like you can see probably them them trying to go with Kane because when you look at Almond Street 2 and they bought a stunt man in who was big and walking for in you know that was obviously on the agenda you know it, you know it wasn't always about obviously have an act to play that character because as soon as you got to part two they went for a stunt man originally so it just I think that, there's credence to that story as well you know and again Kane tells it and Kane obviously was there at the time. And I'd, I'd never heard that. And I'm a massive Not Animal Street fan. Just a nice little kind of like connection, you know, the kind of separation, kind of like, you know, was it Six Degrees, Seven Degrees of Kevin Bacon kind of where everything's connected, aren't they? It's the same kind of story, really, I think. And
1: in, in his Freddie Audition story reminds me of the Lance Henderson Terminator story. Yeah. yeah. Right, where Lance Henderson goes in for James Cameron to scare the shit out of the executives. And ultimately, the role went to Arnold. And the Arnold story in this one is really great, too that they're in an early 1974 or 75 movie together. And they're like, man, Arnold's the nicest guy. He's always prepared. We got to help him out. And then yeah. we realize that through his bodybuilding <laughs> endorsements, he already yeah. owned most of Ocean Park Boulevard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is nuts. But we, you've heard those stories of how, by the time Arnold was a movie star, he was a multimillionaire through yeah. real estate, which is incredible. What were some of the stories that, you ha- you had to cut. Like, wh- what are some of the stories that you were pursuing, and they either dried up, uh you couldn't get two people to talk about it, so you couldn't confirm it, or ones that you're like, mm, that one's still out there somewhere, or maybe it's in the the bonus material, of GeekScape. Um, Listen, the yeah, bonus material is going to be available on digital on June sixth as well.
2: It is, yeah, yeah, just... uh, yeah. I think sometimes they do. I do. I, iTunes normally release the bonus features, don't they? We did for Pennywise. So it might be. Uh, I'm not sure it probably will be. Obvious, but I think the physical release, the collector's edition steelbook, and the Blu-rays out sometime in July, 25th of July, I believe it is. Okay. So Beyond you'll be at
1: Comic Con like, at our booth to promote that. Well, If Screenbox invite us,
2: okay. <laughs> yeah. So Screenbox, you have the. You have if, to you, if you were <laughs> listening, yeah. Um, in terms of stories, it's really difficult because it's kind of like Robert just tells his kind of his, his life instantly. But I think for me, the one we were kind of cagey about. The most. I mean, it's a shame we couldn't get people from his family, you know, and I think it's a shame of, you know, for his age anyway, his parents aren't about it. That would have been nice to get some family members, but Robert doesn't have a family really. He doesn't have a big family. It's really it was just him and his parents. And then obviously his first wife, Betsy, who's passed away since, and obviously then Nancy. The one that we were worried about the most was the cocaine story uh, from Not Round Street 2. And we edited around that story a little bit, you know, what Gregor has <laughs> says, because he was very more explicit about cocaine. And we even had a cartoon image of him created of Brady with, with, with coke. We were worried oh, so about
0: that. He pussied it as well on that one. <laughs> yeah, Robert
2: it. was cool with it. To, Robert loved it Robert, loved it. Robert loved it. He laughed his head we off. Cra-
0: we were crapping yeah. our pants when we first watched it with him. Yeah. We watched yeah. it in a hotel room with him on this very yeah. laptop I'm talking to you on now. Uh, in my room, in yeah, mine and my wife's room, and um, Robert and Nancy were like, oh, we want to we watch it before it screens at Sitch's Festival. We're going to come up and watch it with you. And here's a little anecdote for, you know, Taboo, but uh, I've just taken the world's biggest shit. Yeah, that, <laughs> was, that wasn't a good way to start things off. But they, oh, we're coming up to your room now. I'm like, fuck, it, babe, get the Febreze, open the windows, call an exorcist now, because the rooms are lovely, but they're not that big. And you kind of, you know, you can't escape things when you're in a hotel room.
2: Mm. But oh, they yours. came
0: up and they watched it. They watched it uh, on a laptop on like you know those hotel room desks. Um, and you had myself, Gary, Adam, and my wife all sat there on those like kind of two double beds put together. And I remember that moment when it was like you'd you know when it feels like time's going so fast. When it, it's like, oh god, no, when Elm Street montage. Oh god, no, no, when Elm Street two. I see him tapping his finger, and uh, I think we Gary and I actually held hands, despite my wife. Being it not, is, yeah. <laughs> <Yeah. all that. laughs> gripping each other going, oh, God, 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 God. And then I think it was just a simple little
2: huh,
0: from him. Yeah. And that was it. Like,
2: oh, thank God. It's, it's it's, after, after we said to us, didn't Because we? we were like panicked. It, Nancy says to us, oh, Robert wants to talk to you about the doc. We were thinking, shit, we're going to be in trouble. And he came to me and he went, listen, he said, I don't care about nudity. I don't care about drugs. Both things happen. All are, all, you know, can we can we talk about some of the films that maybe you missed out? Mm-hmm. I'll tell that story as well. But... It was like such a relief. We were literally shitting ourselves. We genuinely thought he's going to kill us.
1: For, because you know, putting in the cocaine story, the Nightmare yeah, on Elm Street yeah, two cocaine yeah. story,
2: which explains
1: Nightmare on Elm Street two as like an outlier yeah, to the right, series. Just, uh, yeah, know? like easiest when one. You, when you watch Nightmare on Elm Street two, yeah, you're You've got like, to be on coke to make it. <laughs> okay, I mean, I think Dream Warriors is the one that a lot of people. The Chuck Russell one is the one that people are like that. That thing is amazing. Yeah. Uh, I love Dream Warriors, uh, yeah. and it launched. Some careers like Patricia Arquette. Yeah. I think Chuck Russell went on to do. Did he go on and do Invasion of the Body Snatchers in that stuff uh, with the big? Uh, no, That's a blob. Amateur. Was it the, the blob? blob. He, did? he did the blob. Yeah. Um, but and then the Scorpion King. No, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we got. Uh, he, I think he did one of the sequels to the to the Mummy with the Scorpion King. This or that. Uh, Chuck Russell. He also did Eraser. The, the
0: oh, with, we yeah, yeah, yeah. Like
1: uh and of course, my favorite Chuck Russell movie, The Mask. I don't think Chuck Russell oh. gets enough credit actually. And in Dream Warriors is one of those. And obviously you got Renny Harlan on the fourth one. Uh did you ever seek out any
2: of these directors, like Renny Harlan no, or Chuck Russell? No, we, we again because we wanted um it to be very, very limited really on Freddie, it sends because again, Mikey, our co producer who had done Never Sleep Again, it, it, getting getting too many people involved in Freddie would have been just too much I think. so we been literally dominant.
0: Yeah, that, was that was the challenge yeah. of the doc overall was the the, yeah. the level of Freddie we put in it. And I, and obviously the, the mandate is we're gonna talk about you know everything but Freddie. However, look at our poster, <laughs> the opening, yeah. the closing. The thing is, you've got to treat for it's I think yeah, important do, you've got to treat Freddie as the um the gateway, like it yeah. was for all of us. Mm-hmm. You know, that that that's that's how we all know him. And then yeah. I think that's what we kind of enjoyed the most in terms of, I mean, we knew it certainly with the interviews and certainly got to get some faces in there. Um, but yeah, it's it, it's a slippery slope, I think, as a franchise. Oh, because if you get that actor from that one, if you get that actor actress from that one and that director, that right, We talk to each other. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a slippery slope, I think, isn't it? So I think, you know, well, the boys we, did, we did a good talk- job
2: with really. Well, we, we kind of covered the whole franchise, really, from one to... Six in about what 25 minutes, I think it was, wasn't it? Really, with Freddy and Jason, with yeah, Freddy, yeah. Jason as well. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, what we've done, obviously, in the doc, it starts off obviously Freddy, you know, that first story is about Freddy Kruger, when it goes back. Then we get obviously the build up, obviously, as Chris says, you know, to Elm um, Street, and then that whole legacy of And then we come back then to New Nightmare. Then we have a gap and come back to Freddy versus Jason. We have another gap and come back to, uh, obviously, um the goldbergs and at the end that freddie mentioned again but it's really and there's relevance
0: to his career as well isn't there like how it reflects his career at the time i think because you had that one to six you know the montage and look how great everything's going and then you've got the fallout of that which is like all these different horror projects like phantom of the opera Mm -hmm. etc mangler but then like what i find interesting is like i've always considered wes craver's new nightmare just that just a little bit on the sideline from the other ones. And I love it equally, you know, if it's one of the best ones for me, but it's what it represents of his career. It's like one of the best ones. And yet it was a box office bomb. And I think it was, it's important to have kept it separate from the others because of what yeah. it meant to his career at that time. And the horror industry as a whole, that the, you know, mainstream uh, industry had had enough of the 80 slasher icons and they were more interested in science, the Lambs, seven, you know, psychological Oscar-winning thrillers, you know, which are still basically horrors. And it was not until Scream, so it was important that we made sure Freddy was present. But what it meant to his career, I think, you know, and of course, yeah. Freddy versus Jason, just being like that big boom payday. And I think he says it himself: uh, it was his last biggest was, yeah. movie uh, in 20- yeah, twenty. But- Three. Oh, God, that makes yeah. feel it, it
1: was a while ago, and remember seeing that thing in the theatres? Me too, yeah. You but said, in theatres and you're loving it. It was awesome. Yeah.
2: But Robert yeah. said as well, you know, Robert was very clear that he understood as we said at the beginning, how important Freddie is to the doc. He understands that. He does draw people in. And we, we had a uh, a con yesterday where we did a talk, me and Chris, and uh, I think Chris the saying, know that we know it's going to get people, having Freddy on the poster will draw people in, but the whole point is, we draw them in and then we show them beyond the glove that's the whole point of a doc, you know. Talk about Bay, talk about, you know, big way Leslie Vernon, movie. About, yeah. the movie that is yeah, great. We, we were, Leslie Scott Vernon.
1: Glosserman came on the show. Did you all, Scott Glosserman, the director
2: of Leslie we, we, Vernon? Is we, that we correct? Had, yeah, yeah. We had booked him in, but we didn't get him because of COVID, you know, and oh. that kind of, and we, yeah, COVID did screw us over, but also helped us massively at the same time. It's a very strange kind of thing for us, COVID was like it was for everybody. everybody. Yeah. But, yeah. um, yeah, we had to let some people go who we'd actually booked and arranged to because of COVID. But again, it's like we would have had then four, three people from that film uh, talking about it. And it's only a very short bit in the film as well. And that's the horrible thing. It's a great end. movie, Geekscape. Yeah, you haven't yeah.
1: seen Leslie, the Beyond the Mask, Leslie... Mask. Scott Glosserman. I think Scott and I went to... I don't know how... Do I know Scott from going to college with him? Uh, but he was on, I think, one of the first... 20, 30 Geekscape episodes way back oh, really? in the day. We went to Scott's house and Scott and I communicated for a bit. And I, I think people I think Leslie Vernon is one of those movies people kept asking for a
2: sequel for. Yeah, they did. Yeah, they did. We were and interested in it. Yeah.
1: That that would have been a kick-ass franchise. And mm-hmm. I love the the Beyond the Mass stuff. I think that's I think that Leslie Vernon movie is awesome. The thing about New Nightmare as well is what y'all point to in the movie is it is Wes Craven transitioning into scream era and it is him going meta in a great way. And did people get it? No, maybe they didn't get it when it came out. Do people go back and revisit new nightmare? Yeah. And is it, and does it hold up as the meta commentary that he did so well in the Scream movies? Absolutely. I think people go back and they see that DNA and are like, Oh, Wes was starting to figure out where the parameters are on, uh, are on this by maintaining a horror movie while commenting on a horror movie. Yeah. And that's a tricky tricky navigation, but you can but you can understand why Wes and Robert were obsessed with making this after having done 5 6 movies of Freddy becomes this thing and then kill some kid who's obsessed with I don't know I mean you could have seen him in like the anime manga sequence turning into Dragon Ball and going super sane Freddy on people yes. like, like it could have just kept going yeah. right like by that point it was like okay like what else are we going to have Freddy become uh, I think New Nightmare is the, the good the, like a solid cap on that era
2: yeah I think it also, also really shows I think Nancy says in the dark Nancy as Heather says in my doc, uh, it really don't was, go blather
0: on us now, Gary. Know, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Do it, it was really
2: at a point where Robert was in his career as well. You know that. You know for Wes and Heather, you know he's the director and the creator. She's the you know the, the main star of the first film, and obviously coming back, obviously in the third one. Yet Robert is the one that gets all the attention. And that's shown in the doc, is in the in the, the film that scene where Heather's on the talk show and Robert walks in, dressed as Freddy, and the fans are going mental. And, that that was actually what was happening at the time, you know, with Robert's career. He'd become that icon by then, and and thankfully, he still is. You know, that's not gone away. The crowds are still there for him, and the fans are still there. And that was what? what how many years ago was A New Nightmare? 20, <laughs> yeah. Was uh, it 93, 94? 94? Oh, yeah.
1: 94,
2: yeah. 94, geez. Yeah that is nuts
1: um also one of the i think uh freddy's dead was one of the early i think that was the first 3d film i ever saw in the theater oh, really and i love um, when, when the spirits go that. flying towards the screen and stuff like that when he's yeah. getting consumed by the souls and y'all have a great conversation about that sequence where with the with the chest when the souls are all coming out of that prosthetic and it was the day that, am i getting this right then that his, that his dad was on that's, set that's, that's, the oh,
2: that's, that's the fourth film the fourth, that's the yeah. right yeah. film
1: yeah yeah um but I remember the 3D friends yeah. dead when those things fly out, people trying to catch them in the theater yeah. in front of me. I, rem- I, remember,
2: I remember not being allowed to go and see because I was only probably about what 11 at the time. Mm-hmm. And my na- I might be younger than that. And my nan and mom went to go and watch the film and I remember them coming home and I sat there all night and they had to tell me, Exactly what happened in the movie because I wanted to know. You know, it was literally I wanted a commentary of the film. How does he die? Yeah, yeah, literally. Yeah, I wanted to everything <laughs> now and, and my nan's like probably in the late sixties at the time, and she's trying to tell me she's never clue what she was talking about. <laughs> so it's like, tell me now, how does he die? Is so, he really dead? <laughs> did
1: y'all have any films you wanted to pursue, and maybe you gathered a whole lot of information on the film, and it in the 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 bridges didn't rise on that one, and it, or it, it, when it came time to editing. That section had to go, and I'm speaking specific- specifically yeah. of "Never Too Young to Die," starring John Stamos, Vanity, and Gene Simmons.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah, there's a couple. To be fair, like I mean, there's a, <laughs> "Adventures of Ford Fairline." Yeah, um, they
1: mention in the you mention in the film. He
0: mentions. He mentions, that, mentions it. Like, yeah, yeah. I, I, I never watched it until because oh. it's not readily available. Uh, there's a lot of things actually, to be honest. Buster and Billy is a prime example. The Hustle, the one with Burt Reynolds. Mm-hmm. Stay Hungry, I think, was available because of the Schwarzenegger thing. But so many of these films have never actually been readily available in the UK on any media. Maybe VHS in their day. Um, so, to be honest, it was only... It was, that's one of those films I didn't know about. And for me, what <laughs> what was annoying as a massive Prince fan was finding out, oh my God, he was in a film with Morris Day? I know you said... <laughs> One with vanity? Jesus! But, um, yeah, there's I mean, there's there's things like that, like, retrospectively. It's just because of the limited resources we had of people to get involved. I suppose, in retrospect, you could have said, actually, well, Renny Harlan could have been a kill two birds one stone kind of affair. I mean, an interesting one, I think, to be honest, is, um, and I feel really ignorant in forgetting its name now, but Lance Henriksen is in this documentary because of a film they featured in together, but much later in their careers like 2011 uh like a little indie drama yeah, thriller yeah, yeah. um and to be honest <laughs> um we've like you know I, when we were doing the edit you know especially the second pass i was working on with gary it was like all right we gotta justify these people we gotta make like you know people a bit more omnipresent because on the first edit there was a lot of people who just rocked up in their respective areas like i don't know uh bill cap for um big wednesday and then they just disappear and it was sort of the same for lance he only rocked up in one little spot on the original edit didn't he and then so we were trying to see like we need to get more value you know i say more value but they gotta make him a bit more present in the stock and i i did try looking at what content we got from um, both lance and robert and bless him lance talked a lot a lot <laughs> but then when I tried looking at the area where he talks about the film all you had was a little bit we did a film blah, 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 shit no let's go back to the story about cat shit <laughs> the, no, the, the, the
1: like, sequence you I, have him in where it's, we're broke actors we're coming up I think is the yeah, perfect yeah, place works,
0: to, to it's put content, that in content. and I, it's, it's like you said actually what I love about that era of films is both Lance and Robert are not dissimilar to each other. You can even say the same for Schwarzenegger to a certain extent, all these people who became like rock stars in the eighties, all like rock up in various 1970s films. You know, you've got Lance Harrison at the arse end of, um, dog day afternoon, dog day afternoon. He's really one of the cops. Good. Yeah. Uh, and Close Encounters of Third Kind. Schwarzenegger doing these little dramas or NAF comedies with Kirk Douglas and Robert in all his films. And then they just have that moment. And in particular as well, we got a a James Cameron anecdote in there, which kind of gels at least the other two together with what made them household names. So that's what's incredible about, about Robert's career and all these people he's met. He's encountered all these figures before they were famous, and he remembers every single detail. And he probably knew all those details just the same as he did before they got big. And then now he's able to regale those stories, not like a, oh, I know this person. No, I I was just paying attention at the time to that little you know, arts and crafts guy over there on Galaxy of Terror, putting up styrofoam burger boxes on the set. I so, love yeah. the Galaxy of Terror yeah, sequence. Must-
1: I love learning more about Galaxy of
2: Terror and how yeah. Cameron was one of the effects guys over there. Well, we tried to get Sid Haig as well and Sid Sid had agreed to do it. He'd agreed. And literally on the day of his interview, we got a message that he wasn't very well. Uh and then I think he cancelled twice in the same week. You know, he, he rescheduled, he really said, I want to do it, you know, but I'll do it, you know, two days' time and then couldn't do the two days' time again because he wasn't feeling well still. And obviously then unfortunately he passed away. We would have loved to have got him in it. And, and we'll I know Robert, the,
0: the mentor angle as well, I think. Yeah, because Robert
2: was, was really kind of like, Yeah. But there's a couple of the films that we cover in the bonus feature. So we cover um, Dance Macabre. But it was in the original edit, which didn't really fit in the narrative. It kind of it made it a bit stagnant, I think, the narrative then. which was a great bonus feature. Uh, and we also cover the series Nightmare Cafe with Jack Coleman in the, in the bonus features as well. So some things we pull in, and that's to take back out again just because of narrative flow, really. Sure. Um, but but no, never I mean, too young to die. No, no. I want movie. I, I Chris, want to send down.
1: you the VHS. Chris said no. Chris said no.
2: if, if you've never seen Never Too Young
1: to Die, like it's one of these movies that we would all get together to watch and it's like, is it a good movie? No. But <laughs> I think I and I've I've had Robert on the show twice, one for the zombie hookers. Oh, strippers? Yeah. Strippers? Yeah. And yeah. and one with Adam for Hatchet. Yeah. am i saying those words guys it's, my brain is gone yeah um it's just been so much it's <laughs> doing show, when, when you do the done. show too long and don't have a producer to help you fact check um <laughs> and i think on one of them i brought up never too young to die because you're watching this movie for how not so great it is and it's john stamos trying to make be, be an action star and vanity trying to split away from being associated with like you know a performer for prince and doing her own acting thing and Gene Simmons doing a role that you know, yeah, whatever that is. <laughs> <laughs> and you're watching it. And then about three-fourths into the movie, Robert England pops up. And the movie's already bad. The movie's already got no redeeming. And then Robert England pops up in this character role. And you're like, holy <laughs> shit. And you know this is, I mean, I don't I think that would be post- I mean, with John Stamos bankrolling a movie, does that post Freddie? Like this is but Plus, Kenny Kenny they, Johnson talking to when I saw Kenny Johnson, Kenny Johnson's such a kind person and Geekscape is if you love V as much as I love V, uh there's an episode a few just a few back on the feed. I think it was a month ago, where Kenny Johnson sat down for almost two hours and talked to Christian Blatt yeah. on this very feed about the 40th anniversary of V, which is this year. And I love V. And the amount of love and attention y'all heaped on V made uh, made me a really happy, happy guy. So I'll, I'll take the uh, bullet on Never Too Young to Die. Yeah. And the <laughs> fact that y'all just totally skipped it and I'll live with my, the love of V. <laughs> uh, Hollywood Dreams and Nightmares geekscape or the Robert England story. It's available on Screenbox and digital on June 6, 2023. Um, I, I think this is on your feed as soon as the... Um, as, as soon as I can put it up here. And I think it's a couple of days away from the release. Um, what else are y'all working on as far as covering? Like what, what are the, what are the stones you still have yet to uncover? Or,
2: yeah. yeah. <laughs> like lot, yeah. yeah the backlog. <laughs> yeah. So we, we've managed to get in the last couple of years, obviously get three projects uh, out, which were obviously in our kind of like backlog. I mean, Robert doc actually isn't that long, you know, for us, obviously Kobe kind of delayed that project. So, Pennywise was a long project for us, you know. And we finally got that released last year, and obviously, and again, I mean, Chris will talk about this now. But we've got Robo the creation of RoboCop, coming out on Screenbox later in the year. I think October time. You I guys believe. are
1: coming back for that.
2: Yeah, I just heard and, that. Did
1: y'all yeah. hear that Paul Verhoeven Empire Strikes Back story?
0: No, no. Uh, no that's genuinely one I don't know, guys. Go on. Okay, close. For, um. This came
1: up in our horror movie night thread. Geekscape is if you're listening to this because of horror movie night, one of our podcasts here on the network, that it's all horror. And if you're listening to this, first off, you're screaming at me for all the horror facts that I'm forgiving. I'm <laughs> um but uh in the horror movie night group on Facebook, someone mentioned Mad Heidi, which is a movie Casper Van Deen's in from the last couple. I think he, it, it was, I know when it came out, it came, it, the premiere was October 14th. How do I know that? Because it was my wedding day. How do I know mm-hmm. that? Because Scott Roger, the host of one of the co hosts of Horror Movie Night, was like, Casper Van Dien was in Jonathan Lennon's wedding, wasn't it? Um, his wife, Jenny, was in our wedding as one of Heidi's bridesmaids. And yes, I married a woman named Heidi on the same day as the premiere for a movie called Mad Heidi, which is kind of like <laughs> uh, a fun tongue in cheek exploitation riff on a movie and casper's in it they went from our wedding to the premiere and they and Mm -hmm. casper's wearing and jenny are wearing the same stuff from our wedding in the at the premiere i think casper changed his shirt and jenny but but for the most part those premiere photos i was like hey that's what you were wearing in our wedding (laughs) uh casper some of the best Mm -hmm. Beerhoven stories and today geeks gave us that we're recording this uh pre-recorded this episode is the um 43rd anniversary of the release of Empire Strikes Back. Yep. One of these Verhoeven stories popped up, and I'm going to have to run it past Casper to confirm, because they're super tight from the Starship Troopers. Long story longer. Lucas was looking for a director. Before he got Kirshner for Empire, he met with Verhoeven. And Verhoeven's a young filmmaker, and He's in the mix. Uh, let me see if I can google the name of this movie because it's one of these movies that oh, maybe... I,
0: I, I okay, all. so Spets, uh... Spets, Spets was about 1980, and that's like, <laughs> yeah,
1: so aware. he's so Paul Verhoeven, uh gives him a, a screening of Spetters, which is the 1980 oh. movie. movies. Like, I got this brand new movie coming out in 1980 called Spetters. Lucas never called it back
0: <laughs> <laughs> after
1: Paul Veerhoven showed him Spetters. Lucas never called him back, just ghosted him. And then when it was time to make this movie, which had already been delayed by the, the fire from, uh, you know how there was a fire uh, at the um, studios off of the um, shining. Right. And that delayed things. And then they went to film in, you know, the the Iceland or wherever, or Greenland, wherever they were filming the, the snow stuff. And there was a, crazy 100 years there there's never been weather like this storm that delayed things even further but i was reading all about empire strikes back today and that Beerhoven story came up about his meeting with lucas and showing us Spetters, wow. the bike racing movie and lucas ghosted him
0: <laughs> it, w- it makes sense though because i suppose like soldier of Orange he had done just a couple years prior so that would kind of make sense a world war ii kind of thing to have that for that but yeah, the sweet yeah we got
1: dog fights we got we got trench warfare in empire we got all this stuff that we're looking for and he shows those spatters in the contract gets moved away from the table.
0: Yeah, I'm not surprised. Holy crap! But then I suppose it's ironic, then, isn't it? Because then Kirshner goes on to do RoboCop too. Who would have been a good person if we'd got that? Because we, um, as yeah, we we've, we've got a lot <laughs> a lot on RoboCop coming out. Um, that that project's been well, it's, it'll live been seven years in the making. Well, that's coming out as a four part series at the end of the year. Uh, on just the first film. So we basically break the film apart and Worth it's almost it. like scene by scene, dissection. Y'all coming back. Y'all we coming back the
1: the on, that, on that Robocop thing because that's one of my favorite movies. Like, <laughs> yeah, can I, you, I say it all the time.
0: I know we're not on.
1: Uh, no, it's fine. Uh, I agree. have that. Is that a steelbook? Yeah, uh, oh my God. Can you mean, fly, movie? Bobby? I love that's Robocop. Um... And in y'all got my Michael Keaton to talk to y'all for that one? It's a joke. Wait,
0: you know? We actually we, 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 uh,
1: Because we, y'all referenced the Sam Bayer Nightmare on Elm Street for a hot second in an image yes, in this documentary. Yeah. In the Sam, no offense, guy uh Sam. Uh the Sam Bayer film, it just, I don't it just I yeah <laughs> It was it, it it's work. always kind of everyone's talented in that film. It's crazy. Everyone's talented in yeah. the bread didn't rise
0: we've always uh, we've always tried like we have the same with pennywise we didn't cover the remake because it was just a, it was just coming out when we were making that we didn't do it for robocop and we haven't really covered it on this and i think ultimately whenever we're asked why didn't you cover them not so much in the uh it reboot case but with the others there's not a lot of nice things not for us to say or the people who made them to say it but just generally if you sort of say oh yes yeah, the you know the remake of nightmare on elm street you can almost, you pretty much guess what the response is going to be like to it, you know, and I think there's a
1: recall y'all to- cover, though. That's a joke. It's, I'm not saying
0: that. <laughs> <laughs> no, show girls, actually. what's that? Showgirls actually. Yeah, that's what we. Yeah. <laughs> I
1: love. I love that y'all are doing a Verhoeven documentary. He's it's fascinating in that Empire yeah. story. My eyes po almost popped out of my eyes reading that, that Verhoeven story this morning. It was awesome.
0: Gentlemen didn't know that.
1: Yeah. When y'all come back to talk RoboCop, and you have to come back because RoboCop. Like I'm saying it all the time, and my wife is like, I don't, my wife has never seen RoboCop. I don't think she's interested in RoboCop. I finally showed her Starship Troopers because Casper's in it. She's like this movie that Casper's super famous for, the Starship Troopers. And I said, All right, you want to see it? It. She doesn't like the the horror, the gory stuff, and that movie is very gory. And I love that. That movie's incredible. Um, I, but she. Doesn't know why I keep saying where's my goddamn phone, my motherfucking phone call. She just doesn't understand, <laughs> and I think it's the spitting afterwards that she's <laughs> I'm <kidding. laughs> my motherfucking
0: well,
1: well, whatever, you call? She's a she's she's a '70s show fan. I don't understand how she hasn't seen that movie. Red
0: Forman, he's <laughs> just a little bit darker. That's
1: all. Can you fly, Bobby? It's incredible, and I'm always doing that thing too, where I, that help me mm-hmm. where the the guy with the toxic waste it's incredible and is actually, that the legit that, is that legit from the set
0: no that's actually Guys. gary gary made-
1: chris is uh chris is rotating his camera and he's showing me the 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 My recreation of the room of, of the, of the it, you know there's an action figure of that thing yeah
2: so, yeah it's insane gary you made that as an effects artist Yes, yeah, so I took up some kind of like, you know, during COVID. Uh, I saying, I tried, I started doing some special effects work and kind of props.
1: I yeah. love that. Yeah. I love that you did that during COVID while everybody else yes. was learning how to bake sourdough. <laughs> Remember that? Remember that? <laughs> was like a, that was like two <laughs> weeks of COVID where everybody was like, I'm going to learn to bake sourdough. Yeah, like, here, what yeah. the hell is this? You're yeah. gonna, this, is, this is like the checkbook for early yeah. pandemic is like, I'm going to learn how to cook sourdough. I'm going to watch Tiger King.
2: We watched Target King, yeah. And awesome.
1: yeah, yeah. I think there was another check box to check on what yeah. you were gonna do in the pandemic. And I think that's incredible Perfect. that you you uh you did some VFX practice. Yeah, yeah, Good job on that stuff. But the leather face behind you is actually a victim, right? That's actually human skin.
2: That's actually the last person I interviewed us year. <laughs> that's
1: fine. <laughs> Next time you're in LA, you can remove my face. <laughs> I'm probably better off without it, yeah. Don't give Chris any ideas, you probably will. Well, Chris, Gary, congrats on getting this movie out. Thank you. And Thanks, if you love Freddy as much as I love Freddy, and if you love Robert as much as I love Robert, I brought him up with a financier a couple, two weeks, three weeks ago. As a possibility, I love Robert. I would love to work with him. Um, I love interviewing him. Um, you got to check this movie out, Geese Hollywood Dreams and Nightmares, the Robert England story. It comes out on Screenbox. And digital on June 6, 2023. In case you're listening to this, it is out. If you're listening to this, it's out, guys. <laughs> um, because I had to um, wait to release this episode. Uh, I'm excited to talk Robocop with you guys. Let's connect. And just congrats, guys. I love that we all are doing. I love the the
2: sticking to Thank the genre. You. Thank you. It's really Thank appreciated. You, my...
1: mm-hmm. Thanks, Geekscape. Geekscape is, we will be back with more horror talk. Uh, I think I'm also talking to the. The actress who plays, I don't know if you, I mean, this this episode may have already been record, uh, been released. I haven't recorded it yet. I'm recording it later today. But the actress who plays Zelda in Zelda Tears of the Kingdom is going to come on the show. Uh, we're talking all sorts of Zelda talk. And then um, Bomani J Story, who directed this Frankenstein uh, horror movie that premiered at South by Southwest, it's called Angry Black Girl and Her Monster, is on the show. I pre-recorded that one as well. There's lots of great stuff on the geekscape feed so share it with your friends you know uh tell people about geekscape subscribe and all that we're always trying to get some cool pop culture people here to celebrate geekdom with me and mm-hmm. uh let's if y'all can make it to comic con let's let's do this all right cool guys thank you so much and uh and you're welcome back anytime thank you thanks, guys. thanks very
0: much Grace. thank you yeah,
1: of course
2: you're listening to the geekscape network